Boss Uncaged is a weekly podcast that releases the origin stories of business owners and entrepreneurs as they become uncaged trailblazers. In each episode, our hosts, S.A. Grant and guests construct narrative accounts of their collective business journeys and growth strategies. Learn key success habits and how to stay motivated through failure, all while developing a boss uncaged mindset. Break out of your cage and welcome our host, S.A. Grant. Welcome, welcome back to Boss Uncaged Podcast. And off air, uh, me and Sam were just having a conversation, and it was always funny, like, how you always have technical difficulties when you lease one or two. 90% of the time, everything works as it should, and then we just spent, like, the last 10 to 15 minutes restarting, going back and forth, which is absolutely crazy. But now, here we are, live and direct. So, Sam is, is, is an individual that, that he's a young guy that has, like, a lot of ambition, and he's achieved a lot in, in, in his early days. And, you know, I always give whoever I'm interviewing a particular nickname. So, in this case, I'm going to name him the Ivy Boss. So I want him to kind of tell you a little bit more about himself. And, and what are we talking about exactly about IVs? What kind of IVs are we talking about? The floor is yours, Sam. So th- thank you. I appreciate it. I, I don't mind being called the IV boss either. So that, that that's uh, actually, I, I might have to trademark that. <laughs> but um, so, you know, we, we do a lot of the uh, vitamin IVs uh, that, that consist of different vitamins, minerals, and amino acids. Um, now, Liquavita, we do more than just IVs. We also have other health and wellness services that we offer, everything from hormone optimization, uh, medical weight loss, where we use different type of medications. So we, we use different peptides um, uh, to help you know, uh, spike metabolism and help these patients lose weight and get well. Um, we're also on the medical aesthetic side. So on the aesthetic side, we do everything for the Botox, the fillers, the things to make you look younger again. Um, and then we also have our sexual health department, our sexual health department. We do it for both males and females. We have certain technologies that help increase blood flow with erectile dysfunction and, and a few other things, um, you know, for sexual health. Really cool. Really cool. So I, I, I just want to time travel back. I mean, obviously you laid down the line and you, you kind of you know, gave it a, a solid overview of what you do and why you're doing it. But I want to kind of talk about like your story, right? I mean, obviously you started off with $500 in your pocket. And from that $500, you somehow found your way in a $4.4 trillion global industry. Let's talk about that journey for a minute. Absolutely. So, yeah, when I, when I started the business, so uh, I'm a retired fireman. Hmm. I did 12 years out on the road here in South Florida. And uh, as, as firefighters, we work 24-hour shifts, and then we're off for 48 hours. So you have a couple of choices. You're either going to spend a little bit of money that you're getting from the city, your days off, or you're going to find something else to supplement your income. Obviously, I went the route where I wanted to supplement my income. So what I ended up doing, this actually was supposed to be a side gig on my days off. Mm. And I started a business, how you said, with $500 in my back pocket, started growing legs, took a uh, a, a $10,000 loan, which uh, paid it back in, in, in about three months. Well, I, you know, I took the loan just to help create the brand and stuff after I saw, you know, what we had. And then from there, fast forward uh, eight and a half years later, now it's a multi-million dollar business. Uh, we're on the pharmacy side. We distribute distribute our product to over 4,000 doctors throughout the United States. We're also a franchisor. We're actively selling our franchises uh, all throughout the United States. So it's uh, I've been I've been blessed. 
So, I mean, I think that's definitely interesting because, I mean, I think off here we were talking about, like, the scalability of, of what you do. And obviously there's gyms and there's health and nutrition, but not all of them fall into the, the criteria of being scalable like what you're scaling right now with franchises. So what kind of made you think about diving into the franchising model? Like, why didn't you just put this thing in GMCs or why didn't you just put it in, like, regular DACA's office? Why did you go into the, the franchising model? So one thing that I noticed when I first got into the industry is that, you know, we, we, we do, what we do is medical. So you, you have to create your facility into a medical practice, even though it has like that whole spa feel to it, mm-hmm. you know, because the whole model is as you relax the mind, you replenish the body. And the doctors that are offering it or any of the medical practitioners, they're fantastic medical practitioners, but man, oh man, they, they, they are not good at business. So that's where a guy like myself comes in now through the franchise model. And we give these practitioners an opportunity to really have a a high performing business, you know, because when you when you franchise, you you get access to all of the uh, different assets that we have, marketings, all of the protocols that we've developed. You know, and that's what these doctors want, you know, for them to try to figure it out on, on, on their own. Plus, on top of that focus on treating their patients, that it's just, it's not a formula for success. So that's where I saw that need and I'm bringing this to, to, to the masses. I think it's definitely interesting. I mean, from from based on what you're saying, I mean, obviously you have some of the ingenuity from the entrepreneurial side. And obviously I would think you would partner with many doctors to kind of figure out what doctors are looking for and figuring out their weaknesses and filling that void. So my, my next question is, is like, like what what does the revenue share look like with a franchisee under you? I mean, is it like a 50-50? Is it like a 70-30? You know, obviously anytime someone has a franchise, they have to pay these franchising fees. So like, how was your right. setup? So, so our, our franchise model, the way it works, there's an initial franchise fee. Mm-hmm. That initial franchise fee is $75,000, right? Um, so that's a one-time fee that they pay to get started. We help them get onboarded. Um, we help them hire all their staff. I mean, from point A to point Z, from the date that, that they sign that franchise agreement to the day they open up, which is can be anywhere between six to nine months. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what that seven, initial $75,000 that they pay covers. And then uh, what we charge as a royalty is 6% of the gross revenues, which is typical in the world of the franchise. Which I think is definitely cool. So, I mean, with that 75000 I mean, usually sometimes you'll hear a higher premium, right? And, and that's going to include maybe some build-out or at least helping with the blueprints for the build-out. And, and I remember it was an interview that you had, and you was talking about, well, you need to have a particular location and space because you want to maintain the brand equity and that spa feel and treatment. So what are, what are the requirements are you looking like as far as like square footage and as far as general locations? So, so our business is demographic specific. Mm-hmm. So when we look at the different geographical locations, um, you know, we, we don't take any insurance. So the, the medical procedures that we do are, are more considered as an elective. Mm-hmm. So it, 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 people have to be able to afford it. Um, okay. so, so, so when we look for these locations, they're more in uh, affluent areas. Even though I created a business model that that is uh, accessible to the blue collar, not just the white collar, um, but yeah, so so we look for for certain areas that are high traffic, that that have great visibility, um, that are around some of uh, 
other businesses that complement what we do, you know, that that are about beauty, about health and wellness. Um, for example, we just opened up a new location in Pembroke Pines here in South Florida, and we're in a plaza where we have a LA Fitness right next door. We got a Whole Foods on the other side. So, you know, those two, th- th- that's the demographic that that we're going after. So, I mean, with that, I mean, just talking about branding for a minute, I mean, obviously you're infusing your current brand as more of a lifestyle brand. And obviously it's conducive based upon the environment, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Perfect, yeah. It, perfect. It's, it, and you'll hear a, a terminology in our industry, um, lifestyle medicine, you know, because what we're doing is we're, we're creating a lifestyle. You know, we don't want people to come in and, oh, I want to lose a little bit of weight. So they eat a few salads for a few weeks. You know, take some medications, lose a few pounds, but then they go back to the unhealthy lifestyle. So for us, it's lifestyle medicine. We're changing the way people live. Hmm. So let's just talk about like like the general benefits. Now, I think most people that they're used to to taking maybe a, a liquid shot or taking some pills, but I think what they miss is that the absorption rate of that is probably less than thirty percent. So what are the benefits and how much absorption of the actual vitamins are you getting from your IV drips? Yeah, so with the IV drips, um, it's going straight into the vein. So it goes directly into the cellular system. So you actually get 100% absorption versus when you take things by mouth. When you take things by mouth, there's a reason when you read the back of the bottle, it says you need to take two of these a day, morning, night, and every single day. And the reason why you have to take it so frequently is that for you to get the actual benefits of the therapeutic dose, you have to consistently feed it. Mm-hmm. Through your through the, the oral vitamins, you got to consistently feed it, you know, because the gut, you don't get that that full absorption. Um, I'll give you an example. Vitamin C, max by mouth, you could take maybe like 2,000 milligrams. Once you start going to higher dosages, it'll irritate your, your digestive system. You'll get diarrhea. You'll feel nauseous. Intravenously mm-hmm. versus that 2,000 milligrams, we can go all the way up to 100,000 milligrams. Now, the patients that are getting 100,000 milligrams are typically patients with chronic illnesses and stuff. But most of the people that come in for health and wellness purposes, they're doing about 25,000 milligrams, which is drastically different than, than, you know, what you could take by mouth. So, I mean, this this, this break this down for, let's say, the average listener they're trying to comprehend this. And it was like, well, well I don't understand. But so what you're saying essentially is that the, ac- the acidity level of vitamin C, for example, it's so high and concentrated as you, if you take that many milligrams of it, it'll, it'll upset your stomach. Versus oh, yeah. It, it'll it's completely different. Yep. It'll upset your stomach. Um, not only that, when you take too much vitamin C orally, it can cause other issues within your body, uh, like canker sores. You'll start getting canker sores. Um, I, I, I learned that the hard way, by the way. <laughs> the years back, I was at the fire department and I, I started feeling like I was getting a little sick. I was like, you know what? We were at a, one of these, uh, uh, you know, uh, big box uh, places, BJ's or something, and they had these vitamin C gummies. Mm. And man, oh man, those things were delicious. Mm. But I learned the hard way. You know, I was eating those things. I was like, oh, well, you know, you can take a lot of vitamin C. You can't overdose on it. By the next day, I had a few canker sores, and I, my stomach was not feeling right. So, yeah, th- this is the benefit that we could do uh, when we do give the vitamins intravenously. 
Cool. So on the medical side of things, right? I mean, obviously an IV, people are, they've heard the definition of IV and they've probably been to the, the ER before and an IV kind of mixed with saline solution. But before they even get to that point with you guys, don't you guys do like a, a blood analyst? Don't you analyze to see what's going on in the blood to figure out like what kind of peptides or what kind of fluids or what kind of vitamins to put in that fluid? Yeah. So, so when a, a client comes in and we do a few different assessments. Mm. First assessment is we, we do a, a medical history and questionnaire so we can really understand this person's lifestyle, what they're currently doing for health and wellness purposes. Then what we do is um, we do the blood analysis. So the blood analysis gives us a good bird's eye view of what's happening internally. So when we do the blood analysis, we're looking at uh, a micronutrient, we're doing what's called a micronutrients test, and then we can see exactly what they're deficient in, and then better select which formulation is going to be best for them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Makes perfect sense. So that kind of leads me to the next question, like about your, your general products. And it's funny, right? Because I mean, obviously, I, I heard an interview with you, and you was talking about peptides, and you were defining the different types of peptides. And then you were talking about the different types of IVs that you have to, to work with those different type of peptides. And I think you named one the the Mac Daddy Drip. So I, I want to oh, yeah. kind of like get, 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 get like, first of all, the name is cool, right? Anybody that understands what a Mac Daddy is, is the Daddy Mac, right? So like, what's in this Mac Daddy? And what makes it so grandiose? So the Mac Daddy drip is our <clears throat> is our liquid lift. That's the actual trademark for that drip. It's called liquid lift. And that one basically has all of the benefits from all of our other IV drips. It has all of your vitamins, minerals, and amino acids. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the, the, the most attractive components of that drip is going to be your ascorbic acid, which is your vitamin C, your amino acids, and then your glutathione, which glutathione is the master antioxidant. Your, your body naturally produces glutathione. It helps detoxify the liver, uh, helps with cellular repair. But as we age, you know, just like anything else, it starts to diminish the natural production. So when we give supplemental glutathione, it basically just rejuvenates your body. Hmm. So, I mean, like... So this, this begs me to ask a question. Now, obviously, I think there'll be a price difference between the different levels, between the Mac Daddy and everything else that you may have, but I wouldn't think it would be a significant difference. So why would I come and take anything but the Mac Daddy? Like, why are there other options? Um, you know, financial reasons. So at the same time, the, the Mac Daddy drip, not everybody needs it. So when we do that, that comprehensive blood analysis and we look at deficiencies, Sometimes uh, if the deficiencies, the, the nutrient deficiencies are not as much, you know, and we can put them uh, on a different trip where they can save financially, then we'll do that. Just just to target and fix whatever problems that they're having and get them within that, that optimal level. Hmm. So it definitely makes sense. And I think earlier on you were talking about like you being a firefighter and you were trying to find like a side business for, for side income and that obviously became your full-time business. But as a firefighter, I mean, a lot of the things that you're talking about, I think would affect you as a fireman. I mean, obviously long hours, long shifts, being tired and trying to figure out how to to replenish and replace. But at the same time, firemen are usually trained in like medical areas of expertise as well. So let's talk about that again. Like how has you being a fireman helped you to where you are right now as a business owner doing what you do? 
Oh, that, that, that that's exactly how I got into this. You know, so here here in South Florida, firefighters are not just firefighters; they're firefighter and paramedics. Mm-hmm. You know, we're we're duly trained. So, exactly what you said. You know, we're medically trained in all of these different procedures. We do a lot of IVs. You know, obviously, we're doing IVs as firefighters more for critical uh, situations, emergency medicine, and giving certain antidysrhythmics and stuff with someone's in, you know, having heart issues or whatever it is. Um, but I took that skill set. And when I started the business, I was actually, I was the IV therapist. I was the guy actually doing the IVs, going to people's homes. I was at the office interacting with the patients. That, that was me. So, you know, that, that, that is really how I was able to start this, this line of work. So, I mean, obviously like a fireman is kind of like a definition of of a hero. And then obviously now you're talking about medical, which is also another definition of a hero. And I think you brought both worlds together and you have a hero program. So I want to kind of talk about like that hero program that you came up, I think it was like 2021 to kind of help people that was on the front line. So let's talk about that for a minute. Yeah, so I've always had a, so I come from a family of, of you know, service workers. My, my brother, who's actually part of the company as well, he's a, uh, a Marine, you know, went off to war in Iraq, the whole nine yards. And um, I have a lot of respect for people in the service, you know, fire, police, medical, all first responders. Uh, I, I, I know what they go through because I've experienced it firsthand. So we do have certain programs that we put together uh, you know, when the pandemic hit, we were taking care of a bunch of these firefighters, boosting up their immune system. It didn't even charge them. You know, I, I allocated a budget just for that. You know, obviously I can't do that forever, but um, we do have certain discount programs where our, our first responders get 20% off anything inside of our wellness centers. Um, but yeah, so so it, to, to answer your question, we, we do have these different hero programs um, you know, I, I've always, I've gotten into the business because I always wanted to help people, you know, uh, my, my, my first job, um, in, in being a hero per se was a lifeguard. I became a lifeguard when I was like 14 years old, I was working with the YMCA, uh, you know, watching the pool, making sure people are safe. And then that's when, you know, w- once I graduated high school, I transitioned to becoming a firefighter paramedic. Mm-hmm. Now, for me, helping people is the rewarding side of it. When, when I worked as a fireman, it, it was rewarding. Don't get me wrong. It's like, you know, you got all these uh, these 911 calls that, that you really save people out of a fire, out of a traumatic car accident. But eventually, one thing that I started noticing where it wasn't as rewarding as what I thought it would be is that we would run these 911 calls, transport these patients to the hospital, You'd hear the doctor and even us tell this the, the patient, hey, these are the certain changes you need to make. They want to make those changes. You'd mm-hmm. be there in the next couple of days back at their house, taking them back to the hospital. Mm-hmm. So now with Liquavita, the, the, the business that we do in health and wellness, the, these, these patients, they, they're coming out of pocket. They're, they're, pay, they're cash paying patients. Mm-hmm. Whatever you tell them to do, they do it. So you actually see the positive outcome. So th- th- this line of work that I'm doing now has become even more rewarding than working at the fire department. 
Very cool. Very cool. So, I mean, with that, with, with, with like the, the, the hero story, right? And I mean, you obviously have a hero story on, on two sides of the coin, right? One from grabbing someone out of a burning fire and then the other side trying to help someone with, with their long-term health. If you could define yourself just using three to five words, what would those three to five words be? That's a good one. Um, if I could define myself in three to five words, the guy that helps people. Hmm. I could definitely, I could definitely see that, man. So being that you're the guy that helps people kind of brings me back to, to your upbringing, right? I mean, obviously you, you were born in Dominican Republic, right? And, and, and anybody that's ever been to DR and, and you've heard me talk about DR before, it's a beautiful I'm going to change thing. that by the way. I'm going to go the boss that helps people. Mm. I think you like that better, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely, definitely. So, the, being that that you you come from 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 the islands, right? And and again, people from the islands tend to to want to help. Do you think that kind of stems from like your your upbringing, coming from like your family background dynamics? Did it come from that, or is it just that's just who you are, or that's who you became? Yeah, I, I think I, I was definitely brought up that way. Mm. Um, being from Dominican Republic you know, from the island, it's one of those things that, man, you, 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 you know, when, when I was a kid, I would always see family members. They always had an open door, you know, regardless um, if you're just a family friend or whatever the situation was, there was always an open door. You come there. So, you know, I, I always had family members that had tons of people living within one house just to help each other out. You know, I, I, I come from my, my mother, has 17 brothers and sisters. Wow. So just imagine, you know, how their house was. And, and even the cousins and this, the, they were all raised in, in one house. So that was something that, that I was brought up in, in that type of sense is, mm. is helping people. You know, you should always, well, one thing my, my father would always say is you can't receive with the closed hand. So mm. for me, it's just like you put a lot of positive stuff out there and, and in return, it's just going to come naturally. Hmm. Hmm. It's very interesting. So, I mean, obviously, you're a hell of a positive individual. You're a positive person. You're all about helping people. But even as you're helping people and, you know, obviously, people have heard stories about firemen that have helped someone, but they weren't being grateful. And then you take that and you do it in medical. And it's the same thing. You're trying to help someone and that being grateful. And I understand that you have a different customer avatar that's paying to be in that environment. But it, it would lead me to kind of ask you a question. Obviously, you've dealt with some A-type personalities that potentially have gotten the revenue to be in that space, but they made me a little bit more difficult to deal with. So I want you to kind of talk about, without naming names, a worst-case scenario that you was trying to help someone, but they wouldn't allow you to help them. And how did you overcome that? Yeah, I mean, especially here in South Florida, you'll, you'll come across a lot of those uh, very affluent individuals that, that have a sense of entitlement. Um, but I, I, I invite those people in all the time, you know, because that, oh, what they need is they need a guy like myself to touch them, you know, that, that, and I'm not talking about physically touch them, it's touch them emotionally. You know, I, I, I always say, I don't like to rub elbows with people. I like to rub hearts with people. Mm. So that, that's where you kind of just got to figure out how to connect with them, see what it is that they like to talk about, and then just get them past that. It, it, it's like, Going over that hump, over that hill, you mm -hmm. just got to get to that point, figure them out, and then you're going to go up that hump, and then it's 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 an easy ride from there. Hmm. Very cool. So, I mean, obviously, you're talking about, like, rides, and, and again, we're talking about this hero journey. 
And so my next question kind of stems with like the perception of someone listening to this podcast right now, being that that you're, you're a younger guy, you have this level of success, that you kind of have the perception of being an overnight success. But in reality, how long have you been on the journey to find and to get to where you are currently? I mean, th this journey started from when I was a kid. I mean, you know, Steve Jobs said it is you can only connect the dots looking backwards. Mm. And when you start looking backwards from when I was a lifeguard to, you know, that transition transition for me to go to, you know, the, the technical school of fire academy, paramedic, you know, from uh, working at the fire department, department, having that unique schedule, where then on my days off, I was working with a company that, that specialized in this space of, of the health and wellness space, more alternative medicine, to getting exposed to these very wealthy uh, clients that was part of this company that started telling me about this IV therapy. Mm -hmm. That's what triggered me to actually get into this line of work, to, which then now, you know, fast forward eight and a half years later, that, you know, look at the company where it's at. So, yeah, th there's a lot of things that have fed into get me where I'm at. So let's just, just just play devil's advocate here, right? And let's say you had an opportunity and, and you you could time travel back to any point in time, right? From you being a kid until your success right now. And if you could think of a time that you can go back to and talk to your younger self for five minutes, my question would be, when would you go back to and what would you say to yourself to help you to get to where you are a lot faster? Um, I'd say before I became a teenager. You know, if I could have some of the information I have today before I became a teen and really started hustling, I would be way further in life, um, you know, success-wise. And, and, and truthfully, when I say success, I'm not talking about, uh, this has nothing to do with money. Mm. You know, fi financially, most people will look at someone who, who's doing somewhat well as successful. For me, my definition of success is being able to leave a legacy behind that I was a great businessman. You know, so uh, there, there's a lot of things that you have to do to get there. You know, there's a lot of people you have to take care of to be able to have that definition of success. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of employees, a lot of jobs you have to create to have that definition of success uh, uh, that, that I have. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. So, I mean, obviously you're, you're defining sex, uh, defining it in, in, a, in a sensual way to where people could kind of really understand that it's more so about legacy. And I think like I, and I'm saying it in the sense that people have to understand, like legacy is, is the real sexiness of being successful, because when you're right. dead and gone, you're leaving that on for the next generation. It may be your kids. It may be other entrepreneurs. And, and that's probably one of the biggest reasons why I do what I do on this podcast. So my next question is going back to earlier days as far as like mentorship, right? I mean, obviously, you know, your dad was an entrepreneur. You had mentors like Doug and mentors like Robert. So I want you to kind of talk about the three different styles of mentorship and how did they affect you to where you are now successfully? So interesting thing, like with my father, mm. I learned a lot of positive things of what to do. And then at the same time, I learned a lot of things of what not to do, mm -hmm. which which I, 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 you know, when I first got into business, my first company that I started called Rescue 101, uh, I was 19 uh, and we did like CPR trainings and all that stuff. And I had a lot of these business mentors that I was getting exposed to that, that were very, very successful. I mean, very successful. And they would tell me certain things of what I needed to do in business. 
And my father would actually now, mind you, I'm 19 years old. I'm already an adult. My father said, no, no, that's not the way it needs to be done. Mm. So I I would kind of go against what he would tell me to do because I was getting information from these really successful entrepreneurs. And he, he, he came to a point where he realized it's like, okay, well, I never, he never, his business never became as successful as these other people. So that's why my son is, you know, taking these, these, these different points from them. But at the same time, me getting exposed as, as a, as a child, I was a teen when my father started his uh, architectural firm. You know, he used to work for other companies before that, but me as a teen shadowing my father going to, to business meetings, I learned a lot. And, and that's where I really got the drive for business. Mm-hmm. I saw how my dad was out there hustling, you know, professionally would get suited up. And um, I found that awesome. You know, it was like for, for me, other kids were always glued to the video games. For me, the the the, the world of, of business and hustling was my video game. So, you know, that kind of became like my addiction, if you will. Now with, with these other uh, mentors that I've had, like, for example, Dr. Willix, um, which un- unfortunately he passed away a few years ago. Um, I learned a lot from him. You know, I learned a lot from him uh, about this whole health and wellness space that I'm in, functional medicine. You know, the, he was a world-renowned guy. He's got many books out there, but I had the opportunity to to work with him side by side. Event, you know, I, I actually worked for him. And then years down the line, when I started Liquivita, the, 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 the positions flipped, you know, where eventually he was working for me and then it became a partner into the company. But, you know, having those people, one of the things that you you can never disregard is that experience that other people have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's how we learn as humans. We learn based off other people's experiences and being taught. So, uh, you know, the mentors have been a a huge help for my success. Hmm. So, I mean, I'm happy you ended on that note saying that it was, it was a big attribute to your success. But obviously, you grew up in an in, in island-centric household, and then you also grew up with all these different facets of kind of like the rich dad, poor dad model, right? I mean, you had a dad that right. was not necessarily struggling, but he was in the game. But then you also had the rich dad was giving you information. So, like, you're the epitome of that book. If you had an opportunity to read it, I think you definitely would like to if you haven't already, right? Um, Robert Kiyosaki was his name, I think. Yep, Robert. Yeah, yeah I, I read it. Years back. So that kind of leads me to I'm listening to you and it's fascinating because, I mean, some people dream to have one mentor. You had multiple different mentors and you've learned from each one of them throughout your journey. What did you take from them into your day to day with your family life? And again, it's like, how are you managing your family now that you have this highly successful corporation, multi-million dollar industry or multi-million dollar company? How are you finding time to then spend time with your family? Um, so I don't have kids. So, uh, you know, I, I just make time. It's one of those things. Well, one of the things I, so I'm writing a book right now and part of the book talks about the, uh, importance of an entrepreneur to be available 24 seven. And some people think I'm crazy when I say that, but when you have a high performing team, they depend on you. you you're, you're the head of that company. You know, so if you get a phone call at two o'clock in the morning from from one of your other team leaders, they're not just calling you to have a chat. There's a reason behind that. You know, the, the, there's a reason why they're reaching out. So I do believe in work life balance, um, but I just I I kind of just try to make it happen. You know, and, and listen, there's some weeks 
where it's, it doesn't happen. But then you try to make up for it down the line a bit. So, I mean, when you, when you said you don't have any kids, I mean, obviously, anyone that has pets, they look at their pets as kids. So I just want to oh, yeah, clarify, yeah. You, you, don't, you don't have a dog or anything? Oh, I, I do. That, that, that is a uh, borderline human. It's a German shepherd too. So gotcha. yeah, he's so getting he's old. He's, he's 11 years old already. So, you know, I'm seeing it, uh, seeing him kind of, you know, <laughs> the, the outcomes of, you know, the hips and everything else. But yeah, that, that, that one sometimes is tough because, you know, uh, animals, especially like a German shepherd, they, they require a lot of attention sometimes. So, yeah. you, you know, when, when we're not at home and, and and then you come back, you, you try to make some time, take them out for a walk, play a little bit. So cool, cool. So I mean, on that keyword of time, like I mean, obviously doing what you do, I would think that you have a, a pretty detailed schedule. I mean, a workout regimen, you probably have meetings and calls every single day. So I want to talk about like your morning routines for a minute. And I want to start off with, with, with your your infatuation with with bulletproof coffee to start there. Yeah, yeah, I love that stuff. So, so routines are important. Routines are extremely important. If if you if, if you're determined to be successful in anything, you got to have certain routines in place. And that bulletproof coffee is definitely a routine. Uh, I'm a coffee guy. So what I like about the bulletproof coffee, um, you know, obviously it, it's ketogenic friendly. Uh, there's no sugar in it, but it has a nice. Uh, smooth, creamy taste to it because I put the heavy whipping cream in it. I put the bulletproof, uh, uh, they call it the brain octane oil, which is the MCT oil. Mm. And then I put the uh, Kerrygold uh, grass-fed butter. And you mix this thing up. Now, the coffee I'm using is not the actual bulletproof coffee. Mm. You know, I make the bulletproof blend with, with their MCT oil. But what I use is the Nespresso. Nespresso is my thing, you know, so it's, uh, I like, I like a very uh, coffee that has that bold taste behind it. You know, I'm from Dominican Republic. So the coffee we make, you don't put sugar in that coffee. It's not even drinkable at that point. But, um, but yeah, so I started off and what I like about the Bulletproof coffee, I'm very sensitive to how my body reacts to certain things. And it has a nootropic effect. Mm-hmm. where you get this extra sense of clarity. Your mind is just like, it's like lubricated. Your brain is lubricated and it, it, it's hard to explain, but mentally I'm even more focused when I have that coffee. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's definitely interesting. I mean, I, I brought that up because I was just kind of like, I, I just knew that, that that would probably hit that trigger because I mean, obviously I've seen some content with you before and that bulletproof coffee, that's like your kryptonite, man, for sure. <laughs> so, is. so I mean, earlier on, you, you brought up the book, right? So this next question kind of stems from that. I mean, anyone that's, that's particularly writing a book has essentially read some books, right? And because you're a student of the craft of being an entrepreneur, if you can make a recommendation for books that you read early on that an entrepreneur should have or they should be reading now, what would that recommendation be? So there was a book that, was given by my uncle who actually he's the one who sponsored us to come to the United States. And he gave it to me when I was in middle school. Mm. And that book is called how to win friends and influence people. And that book, I've been using everything that's in that book mm. since I was in middle school. And it, it, it has made me the, per- it, it's one of the things that has made me the person who I am today. 
so let's just take that, right? So like that's the premise. It's a Dale Carnegie book, right? And then you're writing your book right now, which is talking to entrepreneurs. So how much of, of that book is being influenced in your current writing and, and what are you delivering in your book today? Um, a, a little bit of it is, is, is going in there. So the, the book that I'm writing is to allow entrepreneurs to know that they're not the only ones going through the daily struggle. Mm-hmm. Everybody who's an entrepreneur uh, is is going through that. And it goes into the details of talking about the true problem, especially new entrepreneurs, the true problem with entrepreneurs wearing multiple hats. Mm-hmm. You know, it goes into the details of the power of delegating. And then the power, uh, as you keep on growing, the power of automation. And then all, all of the different things that you're going to come across at through through your entrepreneurial, uh, uh, you know, journey. So what was the title of your upcoming book? Um, so I'm still playing around with the title. So that, that that's not ready just yet. Uh, I, I played with a few of them. And one of the things that I I, I really like is, is a, a title called Work on the Business, Not in It. Mm. Because us as entrepreneurs, especially when we start off, we're doing everything. We're taking the phone calls. We're communicating with every customer. And that's working in the business. If you want to truly scale and have some serious scalability in your business, you have to work on the business, not inside of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, with that being said, right, about scalability and working on the business versus in the business, where do you see you in relation to your business and your business itself 20 years from now? Um, I expect myself to be out of this business by that point. You know, uh, one, one thing I've learned through my uh, different mentors that I've had is a a business plan without an exit strategy is an incomplete business plan. So you got to have an exit strategy, regardless if it's, you know, uh, an institution coming in and acquiring you as like a merger and acquisition, you going public, whatever it is, you got to have some kind of exit strategy in place. So uh, I see myself exiting uh, at, at some point down the line uh, definitely before 20 years. So I'd say within the next five to six years, my goal is to build it up, build it up and then move on to the next project. Hmm. Very cool. Very cool. So so one of the things I'll add to that too, Mm -hmm. is uh, I'm all about making a difference. So one of the things I, I, I like to tell people, uh, when they, they, we talk about how to make a difference is you have to put yourself in a position to make change, mm-hmm. right? So, so what kind of positions can you put yourself in to make change? There, there's a variety of different ones, but typically in a leadership role, you know, it, it's one of those things like, if I were the president of the United States and I went out and started marching for change in America, mm-hmm. that wouldn't make sense. You're the president. People are going to you to make the change. So if you want to make change, you put yourself in a position to make change. You know, eventually one of my goals is to get involved in local politics so I can make a difference in my community that I live in. So uh, I think that's that's critical. If someone cares about making a difference, you got to put yourself in a position to make change. Hmm. I, I, I'm not going to lie. I mean, you said it's like a, like a true politician when you made that statement, right? I mean, it, it, it's it, it kind of, I can see you 15 years from now, probably running for, for a mayor or something down in, in Florida, right? So with that being said, 
what kind of change are you really trying to apply for? Are you trying to apply for like localized change for the community of people? Or are you trying to help the community of people through businesses and through entrepreneurship? A little bit of both. Um, I, I think it's important to bring uh, some of my life experiences that can help a lot of the local businesses, but at the same time, uh, being part of the community, you know, helping put certain programs in place because it, it all starts from a young age. So if you get a lot of these different programs that you develop within your local community for, for, for children all the way up until they become an adult, Mm -hmm. you're going to get some really, really good things out of them at the point in time that they become professionals. <clears throat> so that, that would be my goal, probably with the hyper-focus on business, because obviously my background there. Okay. So, I mean, just, just take from that, right? So you're talking about hyper-focus with, with, with both spectrums, both personal community and business, but what you're doing right now, it seems like you're a very automated systems guy, right? I mean, you would not be where you are right now if there was not solid SOPs or systems or automations in place to scale to where you are. So what software do you use on a day-to-day -day basis that you would not be able to do what you're doing without having access to? So uh, I'll touch up a little bit on that. So if we go back about four years ago, I would always tell people we're a marketing company first and we're a medical company secondary and, and now when i talk to people i tell them we're a software technology company first a marketing company second and a medical company third okay and, and that doesn't diminish the efficacy of the medical treatments we're doing it's that if in today's world if you don't have that software technology and also that marketing in place you're going to be left behind in the dust you know you you got to be up to date with all of these different digital things that are happening, artificial intelligence, you know, all of the, the CRM platforms. I mean, we're, we're very digitally based. And the best part about it is when, when you're so digitally based, you, you, that you have the ability to access data a lot easier, you know, versus before we're in the medical field. So the medical field, I'm more than sure you remember, you go to the doctor's office, they had the paper chart, you know, the manila oh, yeah. folder. Yeah. Anybody who's doing that in today's world, that means their business is not scaling because now for you to actually extract that data, you'd have to go through every single patient folder. For us, we have everything digital. So I could tell you, everybody who's doing this IV drip, everyone who's on hormone optimization programs, I can see what their age is. And then from there, it helps me continue to scale the business because then I can have that hyper-focus, when we talk about marketing, I could take uh, what, what I got out of my software and technology that I have, I can go ahead and take my marketing and target it there, bring those people in, and then we do the medical after that, take okay. care of them. <clears throat> so, I mean, it's definitely interesting because, I mean, obviously, the, like the, the business model that you, you shifted from, right? I mean, obviously, you were saying marketing is the primary and then secondary was the medical. And now you're saying that software or technology is the primary, marketing is second, and then third to being the medical. So what kind of programs or applications are you developing right now that patches into what you're doing? So everything from our point of sale system. Mm -hmm. That's also our EMR system, which is an electronic medical record system. Um, our CRM, our artificial intelligence platform. So what, what we've done is through the open, the backend open API, 
all of these systems communicate amongst each other. So the data is going back and forth. You know, it, it's very technical, um, but but th th that's that's how we offer such a robust uh, system for our franchisees. You know, so, so, some so a lot of these franchisees that are interested in franchising our business, they come in beautiful location, state of the art, and they're sold. They're ready to sign the check and, and open it, open up a franchise. Yeah, but anybody can make a beautiful location. Most of them don't even ask the question about what's on the back end. And truthfully, that's what makes us. That's what allows us to be able to scale. That's This is what allows the franchisees to be able to scale and to get into whatever markets we set up in. They get into that market and they just start tearing it apart. They do business like there's no tomorrow. So, I mean, you bring up, bring up a solid point, right? I mean, most doctors, and not to put them all in the same bucket, but most doctors, are, they're hyper-focused on their craft of what they're doing, whether they're a surgeon, whether they're a family pediatrician, whatever it is, they're hyper-focused on that. So they may not have the expertise. When you're talking about API integrations and you're talking about calls and put calls and all this different stuff, it'll probably just go up above their pay grade. So when you're talking to a franchisee, how are you making that attractive or sexy to them without overpowering them with the details of the systems behind the scene? You just got to show, <coughs> sorry, you just got to show them how it works. Mm. You know, you, you do have to get into, you got to get straight up into the core of it and show them how it works. Because when people actually see it, they're amazed. I mean, they'll blow their socks off. It was like, wow, you know, you could get all of this data, you could do this, you can market to these people, you know, oh, you got a robot that's communicating to people that see a, a Instagram ad, you know, they fill out their information, all of a sudden someone's communicating with them where they think it's like a, an actual human. Mm. You know, the, these are the things you need, because if you're so dependent on the actual human component, you want that human component to be focused more on that customer experience, mm. you know? And not be so focused on oh, having to make phone calls, follow-ups, call these leads. No, I want my people, when the people walk in through the door, the clients walk in through the door, I want my people spending all their time with them, giving them that grade A customer experience. So, I mean, with that, let's go back to, to your avatars. And obviously, we, we, we've been defining them this entire conversation. So you're talking about essentially more than one avatar, right? You're talking oh, about yeah. more so like a, a, a B2B avatar from your company to essentially business owners and doctors that are in the field. And then you're also talking about a B2C on the consumer grade. And you're talking about essentially upper echelon or white collar, blue collar people that have not expendable income, but have sustainable income to a certain extent. Right. So how are you doing this this cross marketing between these two different, because these are two different monsters, right? So how are you doing the marketing for that? So, so we do have our in-house marketing team. Uh, one of my equity partners, Emmanuel Trench, he's our uh, chief marketing officer and we have a whole marketing team in-house, but you're absolutely right. Two whole different marketing uh, monsters. So, and we treat them just as so as two whole separate type of marketing divisions and um you know with, with the doctors i i love i i love them both mm. you know the 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 b2b is i feel like it's like almost like higher level stuff uh the b2c is sometimes gets a little bit more difficult because mm. every consumer is a little bit different so so what we do to the, the b2b and let's say for for example our, our product that we sell to over four thousand doctors 
they all kind of fall in the same bucket. These are doctors, you know, they, they have similar education. They got a similar type of business as, as, as everyone else in that bucket. You know, when you're dealing with the consumer, everyone's different, uh, coming from different lifestyles, from different demographics. Uh, and then you, you have to figure out how to approach them. And, you know, there's a difference between the different services we offer from business to consumer. You know, you'll have, uh, hormone replacement therapy for, for males, like testosterone therapy. But then at the same time, you got the medical aesthetics, the women that are getting the Botox and the lips done. Two whole different marketing just for that that end consumer. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, I think, I think it's funny because it leads me to this next question. With the diversified audience that you have, and again, you have a particular product, and I think the nickname of it is Shockwave, right? And so I want you to kind of define what Shockwave is and what it does. But again, how do you, and keep in mind, like you're a big Instagram person, you're following Instagram, it's about 67,000, but Instagram is owned by Facebook, which kind of limits the promotion and marketing of that particular product. So how the hell are you marketing the Shockwave and talk about that a little bit? So, so one thing that we've seen that works quite well is uh, we're doing kind of like that sex talk through different blogs and even webinars that we're doing that, that people that want to know more about it, they engage in that. So we have a few different things that we're doing to market shockwave therapy. So the low-frequency shockwave therapy, what we, we use it for primarily is for erectile dysfunction. Hmm. So for years, everyone knows the name, Cialis, Viagra. You know, for people with erectile dysfunction, typically erectile dysfunction is related to a blood flow issue. Sometimes chronic illnesses will, will cause that, like diabetes. You know, you won't have proper blood circulation. And then sometimes uh, certain uh, cardiovascular disease issues that where you have certain uh, like plaque and calcium buildup in your, in your, uh, in, in your, in your vessels. Mm -hmm. so, so what the shockwave does, which is a, an actual FDA-approved device, it basically targets the root cause. When, when, when people take these medications like Cialis, Viagra, that increases blood flow. And that's why they're able to perform for a few hours or whatever it is. Now, with the low-frequency shockwave therapy, what we're doing is we're breaking up that calcium and plaque buildup, you know, because that shockwave, that's what it does. It, it, it has a vibration that helps create new vessels and also break up some of the uh, that, that calcium plaque buildup so that the blood flow can be there and you don't have to take all of these different pills. Hmm. I think it's, it's definitely fascinating and interesting. I mean, considering that you have two market sectors, right? So let's just take this and let's just, just communicate with them, right? You could pick either one. You can pick the B2C or the B2B. And let's say they're listening to this podcast right now and you have an opportunity to talk to them and to help them promote themselves to move forward to their future success. What words of wisdom do you have for, for either one of your target audiences? So if I were to go to the, <clears throat> I'm going to choose the B2B side because the great part about the B2B side is when, when we talk to the B2B side, you're also talking to them about the B2C side. Because mm -hmm. if you don't help them on the B2C side, they're not going to be ordering my product because they have to be able to order the product and sell it to the end consumer. So um, the, the one thing that I would say that, that is critical for the success of, of any business is you got to stay with the times. You got to read, read, watch podcasts, watch uh, different documentaries on Netflix. There's a lot of stuff out there. 
And, and that's where the wheels will start turning more and more. You know, you got to get that information in your head. It has to come in and, and you got to feed yourself that information. You can't be dependent on other people trying to feed you because the information that's trying to be fed to us on a daily basis is typically not the right information that you want. It's almost like we're trying to, we're getting programmed to think a certain way. You know, so you, you got to go out there and feed yourself. You got to read, you got to watch uh, podcasts, listen to podcasts. You got to watch documentaries, see everything, how it's been evolving mm-hmm. in the digital world, marketing world. And and I, I think that uh, people who do that will, will see the difference and the success from it. So, I mean, with that, I mean, obviously you sound like a hell of a motivational and, and health coach at the same time. If somebody's listening right now, how do they get in contact with you? And again, both on the B2B side and the B2C side, like uh, through your social media platforms, through your website? Yeah, you can go to my website is www.liquavita. That's L-I-Q-U-I-V as in Victor, I-D-A.com. And then my, my Instagram page is Sammy. That's S-A-M-M-Y underscore Tejada, and that's T-E-J-A-D-A, and then there's another underscore right after that. Um, And then obviously I got my LinkedIn page, which is my full name, Samael Tejada. So the first name is spelled like Samuel, but instead of a U, it's an A. Cool. Very cool. Very Dominican, baby. Yes, sir. (laughs) So that leads me into um, um, bonus question, right? So if you could spend... 24 hours with anyone, right? This person could be dead or alive and you would have 24 hours completely uninterrupted. Who would you want to spend that time with and why? Um, you know, if I could spend 24 hours with someone, that would be someone that I never got the chance to meet, which was my grandfather on my mother's side. So I always hear all the stories about him. I was like, man, I wish I could have met him. But, you know, I'm, my mom's the youngest out of the 17 kids, and, you, know, you know, brothers and sisters that she had. Um, so my grandfather, he was a civil engineer, and he, he created some of the biggest bridges in the Dominican Republic. And every single time I, 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 I um, hear family members talk about him, he was a business owner himself. He had a lot of workers, but he was very, very well respected. And I, I wish I could spend that 24 hours, pick his brain, because I'm a product of him, right? Yeah, yeah. You look at the family tree that, you know, there's something in me that came from him. So that, that would definitely be the person that I would want to spend 24 hours with. I think it's, it's hella fascinating because hearing you describe your grandfather, I can see what your mom saw in your dad, because it seems like your dad has some similarity traits to your grandfather yep. as far as being an architect and, and what he chose to do as a business down the road as well. Yep. That is true. It's, it's hella interesting, man. It's like, I, yeah. I, I love I love those stories like that because, I mean, it's always some overlap and some nuances that once you kind of bring it to light, it's kind of like things come very transparent, but... Right. Yeah. So, I mean, what is your most significant achievement to date? I mean, you've done a lot. So, which one you're holding hostage as the top dog right now? I, I'd say my most significant achievement is Liquavita. You know, scaling this company to the level where it's at. Um you know, obviously, I was a first responder for 12 years, and I, I did a lot there. I got awards and everything with the fire department. But Liquavita is just, it, it, it's, I, I, I started a business pretty much from nothing to what it is today. And it's not something that you see too often, mm-hmm. especially in today's world. 
um, you know, that obviously that success is not just because of me. It's the whole team that that we have built. Hmm. You know, I, I got people that have been part of the company since the start of it that are just employees, you know, but without them, we wouldn't be here today. But yeah, I, I would say that's definitely one of the most significant achievements that I've that I've made. Very cool. Very cool. So, I mean, obviously, I think that you're 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 hooked on podcasting. You love podcasting. You enjoy being on podcasts. So I'm going to give you opportunity to become the host of the Boston Cage podcast. The show is now yours. I'm your guest. Do you have any questions that you would like to ask me? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so first question for you would be, how did you get into doing the whole podcast thing? Uh, it's a whole health thing, man. I mean, literally, I, I, I kind of burnt my candlestick on both ends until the point to where I had a stroke, literal stroke, woke up in the hospital. And I was like, holy shit, I almost died. What was my legacy that I was going to leave behind? And when I look back in retrospect, I had opportunities and I had company and, and I had, you know, and employees and I had business partnerships. I had everything business-wise going, but I was not leaving like the documentation. I was not leaving like the steps or the philosophies or the SOPs of what people are doing in business today, then, and tomorrow. And so my girlfriend at the time was my wife right now was just kind of like, well, like, like, what are you going to do? It's time for you to step out from the shadows. You've been branding everyone else time for you to brand yourself. So I went through this rebranding process and I became essay grant published, you know, I'm working on books nine and 10 right now. And at the same time, I decided to then create a podcast because I, I didn't want to be in front of the camera because I was a guy behind the curtain. And then once I got in front of the microphone, it just became natural. And it was like, well, shit, this has been my calling the entire time. And it gives me the opportunity to leave the legacy, <laughs> your legacy for your kids, my kids and other entrepreneurs that come behind us. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, and, and the best part about it is you're really helping a lot of guys that started off like yourself, guys like myself, and getting those stories out there. And, you know, the same way that I'm uh, writing that book for entrepreneurs, you're doing pretty much the same thing. You know, you're getting that, that the, 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 the word and the insight from so many other people yep. that are entrepreneurs and, and getting other people to feel comfortable to understand. And, and this is part of what I was saying. It's like, People have to feed themselves. So a podcast like yours is them being fed, being fed that information that'll get those wheels turning and get them to that next level of success. So I mean, that, yeah, that's yeah. all. Yeah, I definitely appreciate that because I look at it. That's why I was kind of asked the question to like, you know, as a kid, because I always say like this podcast is not just for adults. There may be a 17 year old kid that's like you that's potentially thinking about becoming a fireman and thinking about all the opportunities that you had by going that route. And this may be the light bulb moment for him or for his parents to say, Oh my God, I'm raising Sam. Yeah, that's the truth. That's awesome. Cool. That's a beautiful thing. That, but, but and you know, like how I was saying earlier, I, I, I like the, the, whatever work I'm doing has to be rewarding. And I can just, I can only imagine how rewarding something like that is for you. Day in, day out. I mean, it, it's it's to the point to where, I mean, I have to shift my schedule from time to time, but on average, I interview somewhere between three to 12 people per week, every week. So it's just, and everyone's story is completely different. Everyone's background, and it's a, it's a global podcast. So it's like, I may introduce someone from Spain, someone from Australia, and someone from Canada. Wow. And of course, all their backgrounds are completely different. Completely different. So so who is the one person that 
during your career of doing podcasts that you would love to do an interview that, that you would love to do an interview for that I have not done yet that you have not done yet. yet. Oh, I, I think pound for pound Jay-Z. I think being able to, to talk to Jay-Z, we both come from New York and just seeing what he's, he's done. Cause I grew up watching him as a kid on like, you know, Yo MTV raps and, and, and BT and, you know, like all the different radio stations back then. So seeing his journey from kind of like being thuggish to converting and then not converting, still being originally himself, but he's just part of the upper echelon now. It's kind of like, what kind of mentality do you have to have at that young age to know that that's where you're going to end up? Because he started with that in mind. He knew from day one, much like Kanye West, that he was going to be here sooner or later. It was just wow. a matter of time, a matter of execution. I would love to sit down with him for an hour, two hours, and just talk. That'd be awesome. Yeah. I'll be I'll be tuning in when that happens. Hey, man, I always say, like, the more and more you do something, the more and more you perfect it, and the more and more people start to realize that you are good or even great at what you're doing, then those opportunities start to, start to come out. So the reality is it, it, it's, it, it could happen. It should happen. The question is when is oh, it going to yeah. happen? Yeah. Maybe he'll be over there at the 4040 Club, you know, set up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I definitely appreciate that, man. I appreciate you taking time out your busy schedule today, man. I know we had some technical difficulties earlier on, but like I said earlier, once we've got rolling, we're, we're definitely going to roll. And I definitely appreciate you, all the value that you brought to the table today, just the insight, the nuances. And, and I definitely want to continue to follow you and, and see the, the, the continued success that you're going to do with the business that you're doing right now and whatever else you decide to do after this. Awesome, man. I appreciate it. Likewise. Great. S.A. Grant, over and out. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Boss Uncaged. I hope you got some helpful insight and clarity to the diverse approach on your journey to becoming an Uncaged Trailblazer. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast. If this podcast has helped you or you have any additional questions, reach out and let me know. Email me at ask at sagrant.com or drop me your thoughts via a call or text at 762-233-BOSS. That's 762-233-2677. I would love to hear from you. Remember, to become a boss in cage, you have to release your inner beast. S.A. Grant, signing off. Listeners of Boss Uncaged are invited to download a free copy of our host, S.A. Grant's insightful ebook, Become an Uncaged Trailblazer. Learn how to release your primal success in 15 minutes a day. Download now at www.bossuncaged.com forward slash free book.